Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 61 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Mladenich of GratefulGarden.biz. And today we are talking with Dr. Travis Elliott about looking beyond thyroid medication and doses, which is going to be kind of cool because I don't think we've ever covered that really. No. Not in no, depth anyway. I mean, he's got some awesome Awesome topics. Okay, so we are we are crazy excited to talk with him. But first, of course, just a few things. Dan and I want to make sure that if you've ever missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, that you can easily go and download and listen to them at the at, at your leisure. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a specific time or anything. You can catch it on iTunes, Stitcher, um, and stay tuned as Dana turns each show into an article that you can either listen to or easily reference and read, which is very cool. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay. You know, I think I might be over-medicating. <laughs> it's going to be kind of funny to talk to the doc about, but um, I don't know because, you know, you know more than I do as far as that kind of thing goes. You've been dealing with your uh, symptoms and things longer than me. I mean, your, you know, knowledge of it. I mean, I'm my, my legs are itching so bad right now. Oh, I just can't even talk about it. Oh. So, other than that... And uh, I'm really sleepy. I'm doing okay. You? I'm I'm doing good. I'm feeling just a little bit a little bit wired after my long day yesterday at the Big Bear Farmers Market. But uh, it was a great day for Thyroid Nation Essentials, which was very very cool. But I, I wanted to bring up real quick. Isn't that interesting? How we can always tell. I can always tell, anyways, that I'm hypo when my shins itch. It's crazy. Yes. That's like a. It's itching is a huge symptom of falling short. Maybe we should ask Dr. Elliot that question. Yes. <laughs> Maybe there's some physiological reason for that. <laughs> I mean, cause it's, and it's definitely my shins, and I've been doing it for I can't even tell you how many years. I used to tell my mom, you know, I have like scars from scratching so bad sometimes. And that's yeah, so crazy, that's definitely horrible a itch as a kid. Me too. Oh, definitely I know. Oh, something's wrong. Oh, love it. I know, right? Can't wait to ask you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Well, um, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about him, and then let's get him on. He is a naturopathic physician who is compassionate, committed to, to guide each individual along a path toward mental, emotional, and physical freedom, utilizing the best of both alternative and conventional medicine. Naturopathic doctor, Travis Elliott, we are excited to have him with us today. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Elliott. Can you hear us Okay. I can. I can I, I can hear you just great. Over my well, uh good morning. <laughs> my rapid googling of skin itching and hypothyroid. I don't know. <laughs> you can funny. add that to your arsenal of patient symptoms yeah. now, right? Uh, yeah. I mean that's, that's funny. I'm, I'm prepared to talk about it for four, at least forty five minutes, so we're we're good. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um, uh, and did you say to your shin, your shins in particular itch? Uh huh. Me too. Yeah, and both of us, both of our shins. Not just S K I N, but shin skin. Uh, okay. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, yes. so exactly, and My on shins. the top in particular. Yeah. On the top of the. And I'm. Sorry. Okay. And I'm doing this. I'm doing the 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 shin itch right here, Tiff. I mean, it is bad lately so that's how i know it's i'm really hypo (laughs) 
Girl, go uh, get one of those oils. It'll help. Seriously. Yeah, yes, I'm going <laughs> to. It's a Band-Aid, but it'll work for now. <laughs> yeah. well, well, welcome, thanks. welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I Hopefully I can provide more wisdom about other topics than I can about shin itching. But, um, <laughs> you know, thyroid, it does go to the that we're all individuals and, um, even though you two seem to have the same symptom, and other people must. I never had a, I've never had a patient sit in front of me and tell them tell me that their shins itch when they're thyroid. You know, yeah. it's, for for lots of thyroid patients or lots of hypo patients, it can be itching anywhere, but it's body itching, and it's and it's really common when people run low. In the in the patient well, side, that- I mean, when patients talk, that's something you know. In the in the forums, when patients are talking among themselves, itching is a huge is a huge blaring blaring sign and maybe we should stop talking about it because i can't stop are you itching itching now i am so let's move on i'm so glad to finally talk to you dr elliot we've been we've been facebook friends and friends for a while and uh we were going to have you on a show a few months back and some things came up so we're glad you joined us today thank you thank you so much we're excited to talk about um dosing and medications because that's a Obviously, a topic that Tiffany and I uh, both need some information on. <laughs> no problem. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. And I, I, uh, the resources that you provide on your on your site, Dana, and um, and Tiffany, I missed your your intro was kind of at a low volume. Can you give me just thirty seconds on your um, background? Yeah. Yes, commercial. Just, uh, Go for it. Yes. Okay. So, uh, just long term health. Uh, health problems uh, since birth. I was born to both uh, two Hashimoto hypothyroid parents, and my mom, of course, unfortunately, did not treat her thyroid problem and ended up severely demented and uh, very sad. So that's a personal experience. Plus, I uh, was in the medical field a long time before I took care of my mom and had four kids and turned aromatherapist and natural medicine lover and loved being the bridge between the two. So that's just that's just me. That's the well, short version. <laughs> Partnered up. Uh, well, Dana, yeah. how do you uh, do? You have uh, specific questions you want to start off with? Uh, yeah. Your topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let Tiff jump in. Okay. Well, I know that we both. Uh, one of our favorite things, Dr. Elliot, is to ask people their story, uh, whether they had health problems that got them into the health field or or um, loved ones. or So what is your story? How did you come to love naturopathic medicine and uh, and all that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's maybe a little uh, less common in that I, I don't have a personal health story. I think some of the things I'm doing now in my practice do have to do with my own journey, but I originally was in teaching and did the Teach for America program straight out of college and was really interested in education and uh, and through that got interested more and more in the science of the human body and just teaching the basic science classes down in San Jose, California and uh, decided that for various reasons, class management reasons mostly, that I didn't really want to try and get high school kids to do things they didn't want to do all day and decided... <laughs> I wanted to still teach, but maybe teach uh, 
older, more mature, uh, intellectually curious people. And so I thought, well, I'll go back to school and get a master's or a PhD. And the more I looked into that kind of uh, situation, I realized that I was going to have to really focus an incredibly narrow uh, field. You know, I was interested in immunology, for example, and, and the way that uh, emotions affect your immune system. And number one, there was kind of controversial uh, at that time, um, so there wasn't a really obvious program. But at the same time, it was going to be focused on, say, one little aspect of a white blood cell for, you know, years of bench research or something like that. And I'm, for me, I'm much more of a big picture person. You know, I have an Emily Carr, who's a great artist from Canada. Um, there's this big painting of hers on my, on my office wall for years. It's of a, a redwood forest, and the quote underneath says, you know, in the forest, think of the forest, the, the singing movement of the whole. And that's mm. a lot of the way I sort of look at the world, and then that's translated to medicine, too. And so I like, I like learning the details, and uh, but... My true joy is in piecing them all together and, uh, and coming up with sort of a bigger picture. So a very I didn't know truly holistic pr- approach. Yeah, and that's kind of my natural tendency, and I kind of sometimes have to be sort of kicked or dragged, kicking and streaming, screaming, excuse me, into the you know the nitty gritty details of research studies um, and my r- continuing education requirements for my licensure are that that makes sure that I, I keep up on all that stuff. But at the time, I uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And so I um, took a year off and became a ski bum in Jackson Hole while trying to figure <laughs> it out. And a friend of mine from Teach for America was going to the naturopathic medical school in Portland, in Portland, Oregon, where I was living and where I grew up. And she told me about it, and I had no idea what a naturopath was. I'd never considered being one. I never considered really going to medical school. Uh, but when she described it, and then I went and visited the school, because it was just 15 minutes from my house, I realized that it was exactly what I was looking for. It was a, the kind of breadth of education and, um, and also depth that allows you to gain you know, incredible amount of expertise in a lot of different areas. And after teaching high school, I mean, there's nothing that makes you love being a student more than teaching high school. You've got to believe me. <laughs> um, I the joy of being able to just show up for class and just listen instead of spending hours preparing for it was great. Mm. Um, and so that was really fun. And I, as I was going through it, I still didn't really know whether I wanted to be a doctor or not. I just, I just really had this uh, passion for learning, and I really wanted to, to learn it, and then realized that one of the tenets of naturopathic medicine was his doctor, his teacher, and that there's a lot of teaching built into the profession. We spend more time with patients. Um, you know, just the fact that we have to market our practices uh, in as we're starting out requires that we do things like have public talks and classes, and and then I've continued that, um, building some online classes so that there's kind of even more teaching that can happen, and just kind of from there. Uh, got more and more interested. And one of the things I love about naturopathic medicine also is it's a really wide umbrella and there was no dogma. There's no, this is how you're supposed to treat Hashimoto's, for example. This is how you're supposed to treat um, heartburn. It's all, all ideas are welcome. And that creativity uh, and the ability to brainstorm and figure out uh, 
answers to problems where people are stuck is, is kind of makes it interesting and fun and keeps me coming back to work. And very much outside the box. I think that's what people are craving more than anything is, is uh, what, what, what's being currently done is, is, not, is not working uh, right. entirely for most people. So I think that's a refreshing, <laughs> refreshing approach. It is. It is. It is. You know, when you just finished that, I was thinking, wow, I wish everybody, you know, all the docs kind of had that same mentality and I'm sure they just probably just get bored out of their mind you, after the, the end, <laughs> you know? Oh, totally. <laughs> so I mean, can. Dr. Elliot, if you knew how many patients, you know, Dana and I spend a lot of times in, in the forums, but if you knew how many patients were frustrated with the, your blood work looks great, you know, let's make a, a tiny adjustment in your thyroid medication, and there you are off to go, to go. We're, we're, we're good, we're finished. And, you know, patients come out of these appointments crying and, you know, yeah. feeling very disenchanted and disappointed and just desperate. It's it's really so very hard to watch. So so we would love to just jump right in and, and utilize this time with you to kind of talk about things that are outside the box. Now, one thing that Dana and I are really experiencing greatly, particularly in the last several months, mm-hmm. is emotions. And you, you said it when you were talking, yeah, you and I would love it if you could talk a bit more on how emotions affect immunity, because that rarely, if ever, gets addressed. Sure. Yeah, and that was my entrance into naturopathic medicine, truly, uh, even before, you know, my friend introduced me to the school was uh, through the HeartMath Institute, um, which I think is still going strong down in California, near where I was teaching high school, and they pioneered the idea that you can... Um, decrease uh, or stress on your immune system. You can improve immune function by thinking positively. They, they developed this sort of stress management technique of uh, taking a, a timeout, um, focusing on recognizing that you're stressed or angry or frustrated, and then um, recalling a positive experience, a pu- uh, experience of love or joy, even for just 15 seconds. And you can do it when you're practiced. You can do it when you're talking to somebody or in a car, and just doing that for uh, 30 seconds, a minute, has measurable effects on, uh, you know, serum IgA and, um, and other biomarkers in your immune system. And this, so they were the first people to really to document that. And then they've taught that technique and that, that um, science to, you know, Fortune 500 companies and the military and just people who are interested in, in uh, better health. And that's that's how I first found out about it, and I got really excited because it, it's, it was hard evidence that, you know, our attitudes and belief systems really make a difference on our physical body. And, we, and I did some research um, looking at the literature in school for a paper I had to write uh, in medical school on psychoneuroimmunology, which is sometimes called PNI, and that, even that word is too short because what it's saying is psycho, like emotions are affecting your immune system and your neuro- neurological system. But really, you know, you could throw in the endocrine system also or the gastrointestinal system. All those systems are affected by uh, the emotions that you feel. Um, you're, when you're stressed, the sympathetic, the fight-or-flight nervous system is directly wired into every hormone gland in your body. 
So as soon as you're stressed, as soon as you go into sympathetic fight or flight, it's changing the physical you know, hormone signals that are going on in your body. So there's no differentiation between mind and body. Um, and, and in fact, I kind of think of emotions as, as like being in the body, not, in, not even in the head. Um, so it's all just kind of one big, big soup. And it's, all, it's, a, it's a big piece that's missed by a lot of um, you know, patients and natural practitioners because it's just, one, it's kind of hard to deal with, and um, you're, not exactly, you're not exactly sure how to uh, prescribe something or teach somebody how to deal with emotions. Um, and it's sometimes a lot easier to focus on the uh, you know, physical pathways of thyroid metabolism or SIBO or infections and all of that. Well, I want to go back just a second because you, you touched on something that really kind of hit home for me, you know, as far as the emotions go. I'm thinking, you know, well, for one thing, okay, two things. Tiffany and I both, when there's a negative situation or too much drama or, or you know, stress, I, I literally, and I have been saying it lately, and, you know, I'm sure my family thinks I'm so full of drama myself when I say I just can't handle anymore, I just can't hear it anymore, I just can't deal with it anymore. I mean, my body literally shuts down. It literally says no. Like, you, you cannot be in this situation right now. And, and I, it shuts down and turns off. My mom does it. I know Tiffany does it. So there's got to be a connection, and you just kind of, uh, you know, what is the word I'm looking for, Tiffany? Um, Confirmed it or? Yes, confirmed, but that's not it. Yes, but confirmed it, yes. Yeah, and we can all give Candace Hurt, you know, a big tip of the hat for, you know, she was the one who did the original research, and she, as a woman, um, in the old boys club of the, uh, the, the prizes given out to scientists, didn't get even the credit she deserved, even though she's gotten a lot of credit, um, for really breaking down that barrier between emotions and physical chemicals in the brain. Um, so it's it's kind of like secondhand to me now, and I have to remember when I'm talking to patients, and I start if I start talking about emotions, and I don't with everybody, but that, that I'm not saying it's in your head. Like there is no there's no in your head. It's all um, it's all one connected piece. Your emotions are just connect just as connected to your thyroid as your um, you know your GI is. Right. So it's not just me saying my body can't can't handle this it really my body can't handle it at the moment it's just too much for me and every research study will you know i try to think of examples right now but a lot of times you know we're in we're in school or we're we're learning something and it says okay well this disease can be worsened by uh chronic infections and um lack of sleep and usually there's a stress thrown on there that oh yeah the last bullet point is oh by the way stress has a huge impact and I even know going through those classes and, and as a doctor thinking like, okay, I have to, I'm going to learn this to help my patients, is I always were, were attracted to the bullet points that are really tangible. Like, oh, yes, okay, I have to test my patient for you know, neurotransmitters or progesterone. Or, and the stress one just kind of gets skipped over in our brain because it's so big and we, um, we often don't really know what to do with it. And it might even be more uncomfortable to talk to patients about. So... Uh, but but every, I mean, there's, there's huge amounts of um, research out there just showing how big the effect is, and you feel it in your body. And, I, 
And I love it because, you know, it kind of goes against, well, I love it, but it, it, it goes against, uh, you know, what doctors and, and, you know, a lot of people out there trying to help people are doing, you know, as far as, um, you know, as giving someone a prescription of go outside, <laughs> take some deep breaths, Walk around the ground, you know, the earth, get some grounding, and, you know, pay attention, think some happy thoughts, you know, do some yoga, and you're going to be all better, right? I mean, you know, that that doesn't pay the bills as much as uh, as the other kind of uh, medicine does. And, I, and that was, brings up my second point. I have several friends who um, have lived in Germany or live in Germany and who have told me on several occasions that that is exactly what their doctors will say to them. They will say, oh, wow. you know, well, have you, yeah, have you... You know, uh, what are you eating? You know, what is this? What are you doing there? And what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Do you have any stress? Have you been outside? Have you been in nature? Have you been camping? That kind of thing. Truly, that's I've, I've had I don't know at least ten of well, my friends. Well, in, in Europe, that's, that's kind of Europe, amazing. That, and in Europe, the financial paradigm for the government is to keep people well. That's how they make money. It's not right. keeping people sick. <laughs> that's a huge, huge piece in that. That would be fabulous. A quick question for you, Dr. Elliott. Don't you think that it, this this massive, um, you could almost call it a pandemic of subclinical thyroid problems, is very much lifestyle stress, just, you know, where people just get in this rut. And, you know, the thyroid gland is sort of amazing that it that it can respond in the way that it does, where it slows everything down, almost to, I mean, sounds kind of crazy but i mean it almost to make people think like it slows their metabolism down slows everything down in order for them to to pay attention i don't know so you're almost kind of trumping that entire natural response of the body by by adding medication many times particularly in that in that subclinical phase any thoughts on that well yeah i i don't i definitely don't want to um buttonhole uh you know, lifestyle stress and as like the major cause of illness. I think it's a, one of the a big piece, but it's multifactorial. You know, t- toxicity, um, you know, chronic infections, our our diets, and then the lifestyle is just a really big piece. And my main point is that that it's a piece. You know, we're spending time on it now because it's a piece that a lot of times people overlook. Um, the it's interesting as you all are talking about it. I, I'm Going back to and, you know, and I head into these thyroid pathways and and medication and how adding medication sometimes it can suppress and, and ramp people up to the fact that you know and override some underlying um, stress. But other times, you know, I have a lot of patients who will take more and more thyroid medication and their numbers don't go up and they don't feel any better. And I just wanted to point out that that can actually be a body reaction to um, stress. And, you know, Ken Holtorf writes a lot about this, and I've written any of his stuff and why, why uh, TSH is not a very good marker for hypothyroid, but that when you have stress, un- a lot of underlying stress, whether it's because you're not in the woods enough or because you have some kind of infection, or the, the uh, thyroid hormone can get... Um, processed really quickly out of your body. Um, Interesting. And, and one of your points in your, in your uh, fabulous Healing Hashimoto's, the summary class that you offer, you know, you just you kind of crack the door and open that as far as testing is concerned. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the testing. You know, uh, T3, free T3, TPO, 
reverse T3, if you want to spend a little extra time on that, that would be fabulous. But uh, why do people need these testing and, and why is TSH, and I honestly don't want you to spend so much time on why TSH and T4 are failures because, man, we have beat that a million yeah, times. But tell, tell us why the, the free T3 and the TPO and the reverse T3 are so important. We, we often don't get people that, that talk about that a lot, so I would love it if you could talk about that. Sure. Well, I think the reverse T3 really goes into uh, the big picture and all this chronic stress things that we're talking about. Because uh, for a full thyroid panel, I always make sure that the minimum that I really want to see here is a TSH, a free T4, a free T3, and a reverse T3. Um, now, for might do antibodies also, but the reverse T3 is there uh, because it has such an impact on the free T3. And I'm sure you've talked about this and you're showing you have a lot of articles on your site how people do the reverse T3 to free T3 ratio. And, um, and the, if you have a lot of reverse T3, it's going to compete with the free T3. So you might have an optimal level of free T3, but if your reverse T3 is high, and I like to see it 15 or below, then it's going to get in the way and you could feel hypothyroid. But what often gets overlooked is that the reverse t a high reverse T3 is not a thyroid marker. You know, there are there there are protocols out there that if you have the high reverse T3, you just got to, you know, blast it out with higher doses of of T3. But what what I talk to my patients a lot about is that reverse T3 is very non-specific. It's just a, you know, the the T3, the active hormone is a the gas pedal, and the reverse T3 is your brake. And the body is, in its wisdom, sometimes saying, okay, well, I can't rev the engine that high. We need to slow this down. And so the T4 can get converted to reverse T3 and slow the engine down. And when you look at the reasons that happens, and again, Ken Holtorf is... Um, uh, brought a lot of this research together in an easy read format, um, so I encourage people to go there if they're interested. Uh, it can be anything. It could be starvation. It could be chronic infections. It could be mental stress. It could be, um, you know, just go down the list. And so when I see that in patients, I say, okay, your thyroid is not, you're not having the optimal effect from your thyroid hormone. Your thyroid glands may be doing great. It's doing fine, but the receptors aren't getting the message they need, and it's because of something else. And we're going to use this reverse T3 of 22 or 25, and we're going to look around and try and figure out what other systems of your body are not working. And as we intervene and as we you know, change your diet, as we work with a, a, a chronic infection, as we work with blood sugar, as we work with your mental and emotional stress, I want to see that reverse T3 drop. And if it's not dropping, then there's still something else that we're not addressing. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and the, to me, that's such a huge, it's a, it's a paramount failure of the medical paradigm that they, for the most part, I would say as a general rule, most docs that are, are just straight mainstream refuse to test reverse T3. And, and their thinking is, you know, we still would just add more medication to, to alter you know, or to, to respond to that when the, you know, the functional naturopathic integrative 
paradigm really deals with, well, we really need to understand what's causing that. And I love that because, you know, you can have so many people that, that just still feel horrible and everything looks perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, most mainstream docs do not, do not test reverse T3. They think it's a waste of time, which is just craziness. It's craziness. I'm we're talking about this. It's also because not I'm gonna, I'm, consider their, um, you know, their education and, and whether or not they're going to do anything based on that number. You know, we're all taught to not test if it's not going to change what you're going to do. And so in that respect, they're just uh, less, less educated in the reverse T3 world, I guess. Such a huge piece missing, I really, really think. Danny, you I were going to say Did we touch on I, I did. I was, did we touch on that? Um, we had Dr. Um, Holtorf on, I guess, last June. I think he was in Paris. It was fabulous. It was a great show. But did we touch on that? I can't remember, Tim. On reverse T3? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And he's actually, I think, we did. one okay. of the only people that really went into reverse T3 at any about, length. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, but we yeah. We spent almost that whole show on T3 yeah. entirely, yeah. you know, talking about T3 right. only medication. Right. And, and uh, right. yeah, he's he is the, you know, the mentor, he's so the to guy. speak, on that topic, yes. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah, yeah and I would well, absolutely your... point your listeners. Sorry, to... go ahead. I would just say absolutely point your listeners towards that if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty detail. It's, um, he's done good work. Oh, yeah, he did, He talked specifically. One thing that, uh, you know, left a huge mark in, in my brain was he talked specifically about uh, actual research that had been done on depression and um you know, where T3-only therapy in those people, you know, obviously that's warranted, but um, had resolved the depression almost entirely without any side effects. I mean, there were, there's some real, I mean, that's why when people don't test the T3, right. you know, that's just the first thing. I mean, getting some doctors to test for free T3 is, is like pulling teeth, which to me just seems almost absurd, really, in the grand right. scheme of things. But, you know, uh, you know, and then not doing reverse T3, but free T3 in and of itself and not doing antibodies, um, Dr. Elliot, just, you know, for me, you know, I was uh, diagnosed to Hashimoto, uh, I think, three or four years before my, my thyroid actually fell in a treatable range. So I was autoimmune, and from a mainstream perspective, it was, you know, we wait and see. And right. I literally, I kid you not, felt like I was dying. I felt like I'd been hit by a car every day. I had aches and pains from top to bottom. I had, you know, brain fog like you couldn't believe. I could be in a conversation and missing large pieces of information. My husband literally walked me through the grocery store on the phone. I mean, it was it was horrible. And so to sit there and look at your doctor and have them tell you, we're going to wait and see. I'm like, wait and see? What? What? For what? Keel over or, or, or what? <laughs> it was such just a lame butt, excuse me, that's my professional term, <laughs> response. Yeah. You know, I mean, here I, I literally, I had four children. I had just come out of taking care of my mom with Alzheimer's for six years. I mean, and, and to have someone say, well, we just, we just need to wait and see. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was horrible. Right. It really was. It was. So testing for antibodies, you know, uh, would love your take on that. But, you know, for so many women uh, that mm-hmm. might be in my situation where the antibodies are there and present and attacking the thyroid, uh, what would be Dr. Elliott's protocol for that particular person where there is just straight immunity and not quite an actual glandular failure yet? Well, that's, 
what that's the problem with the uh, isolation, the silo aspect of um, conventional medicine. You know, you're going to see somebody and uh, they're checking your thyroid, and the antibodies, in a sense, aren't going to change their treatment of your thyroid. And it, you know, in terms of what their treatment is, it it, it necessarily shouldn't. It doesn't because if you have high antibodies, it doesn't mean that your thyroid is not working well. Your thyroid might be doing just fine, and that's where that wider perspective is so important. Like in treating, you know, looking at the person in front of you and not just the gland, and so if you have, so yeah, lots of patients who have normal thyroid function tests, or they might even be optimal, and the Hashimoto's antibodies are high, the TPO or the thyroglobulin, and I test those for sure on every new patient. And Dr. Karazian uh, was the one who pulled me back into the functional medicine realm of uh, of Hashimoto's with his great research and clinical protocols and his perspective that. In that case, what you're working with is the immune system and not the thyroid. Um, and so there, that opens you up to working with the entire body because the immune system is distributed throughout the entire body. You're especially focused on the digestive system because 70% of the immune system is in um, is lining the intestines. So as soon as somebody becomes, uh, you know, in my office a categorized as having autoimmunity, this high degree of uh, antibody attack on the thyroid, or anything else, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis patient uh, or lupus, or you know, you, maybe you've, you all have, have talked about the Cyrex uh, panel that's out there that looks at 24 different body tissues, and they might have an autoimmune reaction to some body tissue that doesn't have a disease name. All of those people are in the same category of, okay, we need to figure out what's stressing you out your immune system and also figure out ways to calm your immune system down directly. Well, let's let's talk about um it, if it's possible, I mean when you see the thyroid holding uh-huh. how frequently I'm trying to think about. I'm not very good at posing questions. <laughs> I kind of ramble until I get my question. But let's talk about parasites and SIBO. Um, things that don't fall necessarily in that normal, um, and even heavy metals. I know you've you've mentioned heavy metals and SIBO a couple times. So can we talk a little bit about those things and how they uh, trigger autoimmunity and how you uh, treat those clients? Sure. Well, any in, in general, uh, from the big picture, I just think of autoimmunity as a fire, and. If you have a fire, you have things feeding the fire. Um, and, and then the other part you can do to treat the fire is to pour. So you can either pour, pull the wood out of the fire to, to reduce it, or you can pour water on top of the fire. So what you just mentioned, the you know, heavy metals or parasites, or you, know, you could have other chronic infections, like um, I've just moved to Vermont last summer, so Lyme disease is a big topic. Um, all of those things are, um, are a stress uh, to the immune system. Um, heavy metals, they poison, you know, they, they can poison and actually slow down the function of some of the white blood cell cytokines. You can also develop uh, actual allergies to something like, you know, aluminum or uh, he- uh, mercury, so that it's not even the amount of mercury that you might have in your body, but just the fact that you're reacting to it. 
Um, and the same with a, a parasite. Your body may have this chronic battle going on with, the, with an infection. And that battle in one part of the immune system fires up the rest of the immune system. So that if, you, if you're fighting a, a parasite in your gut, your immune system is also attacking your thyroid as a response. It's like a global alarm goes off. Um, another big factor is blood sugar. That gets overlooked a lot. Um, and it's one of the first things I'll talk to somebody about is Hashimoto's. Um, and say somebody who has to eat every two or three hours. Um, one of you may be in the situation where if you skip a meal, you're going to get shaky and sweaty and fatigued, and you really need to eat something in order to, to ramp back up. And if you, so what I tell patients is that every time you feel that, every time you go into a hypoglycemia shakiness where your husband tells you you need to eat because of the way that you're... <laughs> Are you good. talking to me? Has this ever happened? No, no. We're, we're talking to Travis. This is exactly what happened to my husband. That's funny. Oh. And Sorry, we didn't mean to derail you, but that just was kind of a no, that's funny. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So common <laughs> that every time that happens, you're losing a little bit of your thyroid. Like, it's so important to, to, uh, to decrease that stress and other stresses because uh, whenever they happen, that fire flares up a little bit and those, those, uh, the immune system starts shooting its guns off and starts firing at your thyroid. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of like, well, how do I control all the stress in my life? Well, you can't. So we go after the low-hanging fruit and the ones that are sort of the heaviest fruit, I guess you could say. So mm, That's a good, uh, that's an interesting example. Managing, yeah. managing the... Uh, you know, you're making sure that you eat um, or treating your adrenals so that you can keep your blood sugar steadier um, is going to help your thyroid um, or at least help your thyroid. You know, Dr. Elliot, I wish that we could do a food sessions, food and Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism because it's amazing to me, and I sort of have an unusual relationship with food, um, you know, I've been a food controlled diabetic since I was nineteen. So I for me it's a it's a very clear uh example, but it's it's so sad to me how many women will not eat. You know, I mean literally it's this cascade of low blood sugars, adrenals kick in, then they eat too much before they go to sleep and then they yep. don't sleep well, you know. But I honestly have to admit, for a thyroid patient it's a difficult world out there because you yeah. have certain practitioners that promote fasting as being beneficial. You have certain practitioners that promote, you know, uh, grazing as being beneficial. I mean, it's, right. it's very, very sad for desperate patients that are like, which one do I do? It, right. it's, it's, it's just, you know, and of course for most people it's, you know, you need to listen to your body. But if you're, you know, like you said, there's so many signs of low blood sugar, irritability and, and yeah. shaking and 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 all these things. Um, it's just very it's very sad. So I wish we could do a food sessions, like how food in and of itself affects the thyroid. You know, right. the eating yeah. process. Getting yeah. Food allergies. Um, oh right, that's yeah. right. That would be an awesome portion of that. I mean, totally right. <laughs> we need to do a food sessions. We're going to do a food sessions and an iodine sessions. 
Right. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. We're definitely going to have. Um, we're definitely going to have some kind of debate on iodine, and just we just want to let let them go. I don't know who we should have, but we're going to write to. I'm telling you, wouldn't those be awesome, though? Yeah. Uh, that those would be awesome, and I agree. There's so many. It's like you could do a deep dive into every every topic, and that's why you know when I created that Hashimoto's class, it got a little away from me because, um, and I tried to create the, uh, the symptom survey tools so that people didn't have to do a deep dive into every section. You know, you can have some help in trying to figure out, okay, well, out of these 13 different areas of my body, which which ones are the, the most imbalanced? Because you're right, it is overwhelming out there. And um, hopefully if you know that you have blood sugar issues and you're hypoglycemic, that a juice fast is not your friend. But, oh, my God. That's but definitely. a lot of people we don't. Need to write these, we need to write these bullet yes. points down. I mean, a lot of people don't know whether they are or they aren't. You know, they don't, they just don't realize that they haven't put the connection together. And so then they do do a juice fast because it says on, you know, Huffington Post. It's good for me. Juice fast is good for you, right? I do want, let's, I want to go back. I know that Tiffany, you asked me particularly about the parasites and um, heavy metals. And I do want to just put in a plug about the, in terms of heavy metals, um, the the old I'm borrowing again. I just borrow other people's soapboxes and stuff. I don't make anything up myself. Mm-hmm. I just bring it. Um, but Karazian has a uh, a very large soapbox of around um, a chelation and some of the the issues with heavy metals and 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 going in. And, and some, many of us have seen patients who get really sick from that. So I just want to throw out there that. Uh, if you're the type of patient who's not feeling very good, you have brain fog, um, maybe hypoglycemia because blood sugars really affect the blood-brain barrier, and you go in and you do something aggressive like IV chelation, you can pull out a lot of uh, sort of dangerous things that that deposit elsewhere in your body, including your brain, before they ever actually get out of your body and um, can kind of create a, a spiral downhill. Um, that in some cases is literally a death spiral, uh, and that there are there are safer ways of of kind of identifying um, heavy metals. I really like the the test that Quicksilver Scientific has, Chris Shade, and um, Cyrex has a good environmental panel that can tell you if you're reacting, if your immune system is increasing antibody reactions to uh, mercury and other heavy metals, and even things like um, benzenes and other pollutants, um, and that, that, again, figuring out, working with somebody who is going to help your body do what it naturally does uh, is is a better than spending a ton of money on IV chelation. Oh, my gosh. I, I think I would very much agree with you on that. I mean, I uh, for me personally, having, you know, had kidney issues since birth, um, which had to do with my mother ha- not having enough thyroid hormone. But, um, you know, people don't realize how a lot of these uh, detoxes, you know, can put people that, that may not necessarily know that they may have uh, certain organ issues in, in really a lot of trouble. Um, it, yeah. It's kind of sad. But there, there are some great ways to naturally detox. Um, Dr. Elliot, can you mention for... for uh, the listeners, some of your favorite natural, and I love the way you talk about the body naturally aligning itself. I 
Dana and I say it all the time, we are so fabulously, amazingly designed, purposely designed, that, you know, with, you know, you talk very much about the right support, uh, the body being allowed to heal itself. So can you give us some of your favorite, just sure. a couple, I know that we don't want to go too broad range, but your favorite detox naturally detoxes. Yeah, and body I... Realign. So a good a good natural detox is written by my uh, former office mate in Portland, uh, Dr. Igor Schwartzman. He just put up a, a really beautiful ebook. It's for free on Amazon, um, and that's S C H W A R T Z M A N, and it's just a really simple detox. Uh, you know, it has some things like uh, castor oil packs and dry skin brushings, and then the the Food-wise, there's a three-day, I think a five-day and a nine-day program, and and he really emphasizes um, broths and uh, you know high green veggie broths and soups and some juice um, like a green juice in the morning, which I would you know the cilantro, easy way to parsley, right, right, cilantro, parsley, yeah. right, yeah, exactly, and a lot of the easy ways to do just kind of giving your digestive system a rest, um, allowing things to allowing your body the space, really that's what it's doing. It's just clearing space so that your body can kind of catch up. But in our world, we do have a lot of uh, toxins, and we have organ dysfunction, and we have, might have autoimmunity, and we might need help. And that's right. where the to be quick protocols, um, you know, Dr. Crochet's brilliant guy who went through, a, you know, a chelation crisis and then went back to his biochemical background and said, okay, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And what I like about their protocols are that they use things like glutathione and lipoic acid and vitamin C and um, uh, bitter herbs and uh, phosphatidylcholine to support the natural detox pathways that we have, where glutathione binds the things in the cells and brings it into the blood and then into the liver and the small intestine. and, And every step of their protocols are sort of maximizing and ramping up those steps that already exist in your body. And they work really, really well, and you can tailor them to your own uh, right. symptoms, speed, and toxicity levels. I mean, even even certain uh, nutrients, I mean, I, I think one thing that, that has gotten the American public into a lot of trouble is the restriction of, of salt, which is good when it applies to table salt, not so good when it applies to naturally occurring salt because that actually is uh, does help the body detox on a on a daily basis. Yeah, no, that's true, and I think I mean that's it's just what our body has to do is detox. So everything is going to help, and I haven't done many deep dives, and so I'm not going to about right. Um, you know, cilantro. But even iodine, correct? When there's an iodine deficiency, deficiency blah, excuse me, when there's an iodine deficiency, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, blah blah blah, um, it's then mercury can't detox properly. I mean, that doesn't mean we're telling everybody to run out and do do massive iodine. It's not that easy. But uh, that can also be problematic, just simple nutrient deficiencies in the detox pathway. Isn't that true? Yeah, no, absolutely. Every nutrient um, is going to be important in some kind of detox pathway. And all the, you know, the methylation um, craze and and, uh, trying to get enough, MTHFR activity, oh, that has a big impact on detoxification. Well, you opened that door. You're doing beautifully. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He went there. Please. 
He did. Elaborate. I love this acronym. It's one of my favorites. It's so too. appropriate. It's my terrible. But... I, we're, like, we're like little kids. We are. We, we can't help it. We're like school kids. Every time we say it, we giggle like, you know, it's a bad word. Can't help it. So it I love tough. your bullet point, the way it presented in your Healing Hashimoto <laughs> summary class. It says, if MTHFR isn't a curse word, what is it and what, what is do it? I do about it? Go, Dr. Elliot, have have at it with that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, just say it in your head, Tiffany. That's all you need to do. Um, that's right. The, this is another one of those rabbit holes that you can get lost in, and a lot of people do get lost in it, um, including me for you know, a couple months before I managed to pull myself back out to a wider perspective. But you you run a 23andMe test, and you go get a, uh, um, a report from one of those numerous sites out there that give you, gives you a health report, and it can be overwhelming to try and figure out what, what to do. Um, and just to focus really narrowly just on the methylation piece, you know, the MTHFR is that enzyme that converts naturally occurring folates into an activated folate. And if that's running slowly, which it does for a lot of the population, then you're not going to run these folate cycles and methylation cycles very well. And what that ends up doing is slowing down, like, energy production, neurotransmitter production, all that um, detox. So what happens, what I, you know, when, when I learned about this, I thought, great, you know, I'm an American. There's a little deficiency, so that means I just need to take as much as possible to try and correct that deficiency and give my patients as much as possible. And shockingly, that didn't work as well as we wanted it to. I don't know if my sarcasm is coming across, but... Um, no, it is, totally. <laughs> and the, you know, so then I had to go back and learn um, from doctors like Ben Lynch and Paul Anderson um, and take, you know, a, you know, hours and hours of continuing ed to learn about all the other enzymes in the pathways, not just MTHFR, and how those can be important. And they have their own cofactors because every one of these enzymes is like an assembly worker, and, and they have tools. Um, and those tools usually minerals and vitamins. You know, it could be magnesium or and vitamin B6, for example. And so you can speed up or, um, enzymes by having good minerals, and, and you can speed up those cycles by having good vitamins, not just 5-methylfolate. And after all this research and, you know, and uh, all these classes, really the take-home was that you really need to, if you're doing any kind of methylation support, you have to start low and use a wide spectrum B complex and minerals mm -hmm. and not just sort of hyperdose with one or two specific ones that your genes say that you need. Because right. once you speed up one enzyme, well, that's just going to flood the next one. And you might end up like a, a pipe system where when you patch the leak one place and all of a sudden there's a whole lot of pressure in another area of the pipe system and you're going to spring a leak somewhere else. And a lot of people feel terrible when they suddenly terrible. take a lot of five. There's whole groups holes. created about that. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, they have histamine issues or something else. So, you know, a lot of those, a lot of times methylation products don't have thiamine, for example, but a B-complex will have adequate, a good B-complex will have adequate amounts of thiamine which is really important for the last step in getting rid of histamine. Um, and uh, so 
after all the detail and the diving deep, I kind of, you know, had to step back and say, okay, well, what, what makes the most sense clinically for my patients? And it's just kind of the basics of let's start slow and ramp up. And if at any time you feel badly, then we can go back, look at exactly what your symptoms are, compare them to the rest of you. And, and maybe, like, for one patient, I had to um, increase the niacin because she was having really bad histamine reactions from the B-complex. And uh, so increasing the niacin then allowed her to be able to take more of the B-complex and her energy went up. But um, in general... We are all so uniquely intentionally designed, yeah. are we not? Exactly. And, and it, it may be that you have an MTHFR defect and it doesn't matter one hooey. It doesn't affect you at all. The rest of the body is compensating for it. And um, and so you go through a trial. You say, uh, and I even talk about this in my class because I feel like it's, it's safe enough. You just you start low, you ramp it up, and if you don't get any benefit, um, well, you could cover your bases just by dropping back down to a maintenance dose and saying, okay, I'm going to take B vitamins because I think they might be good for me. But you certainly don't have to medicate yourself with a high and expensive level of methylfolate just because your genes, your gene is there. Right, and I, in California in particular, uh, Dr. Elliott, I know that they're finding very high levels of B1, and I think, it's, is it B5 or B6? I don't remember. But, you know, when people take these, you know, 100 complexes or stuff like that, and if they have excess in, in one of the B vitamins, I mean, it's it's um, can be potentially problematic, just like you said. You know, what's very interesting to me is B actually in in whole foods is in a much lower amount than we actually take by supplementation. Right. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, this gets to the mystery of the world. I mean, you know, there's so many things you don't understand about the body, and uh, Royal Robbins, and um, who started Standard Process, talked about this: how the whole food complex and how you know ascorbic acid is traditionally thought of as vitamin C, but vitamin C is actually ascorbic acid combined with all these other things in food. Corn, uh, even GMO corn, a lot of times, correct? GMO corn. Yeah, is is a, a form of vitamin C that's used in supplementation. Is is usually GMO corn, from what I understand. Oh, oh, I think yeah. So, uh, right, and that gets to synthetic vitamins versus food-based vitamins, and and so standard process, which are supplements that you know thousands of people get benefit from, have tiny, tiny amounts of these vitamins. But they're, you know, the theory is that they're packaged in a way that uh, the body that, that sort of stimulates the body to do things. Um, uh, naturally, as opposed to hitting it over the head with a with a mother large amount. Yeah, right. That's a whole nother form. <laughs> so many forms. Uh, supplementation. That's a whole nother forum, right? <laughs> right. And and uh, so we lot. have food, iodine, and supplementation. Three forums. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of work to do. I, thank you. Yes, we'll just add that to my list. Right, Dana? Yeah, totally. That's what we're doing is not enough. I love that. Thanks. Thanks, Doc, well, right? Doc, we're going we're to send you backwards a little bit on one of your bullet points because uh, it's something that we do hear a lot. Uh, and I, I absolutely love 
your bullet points of your program. I think it's probably one of the best, most efficient ones that I've seen, actually. But anyways, you say, why do I wake up at 3 a.m. and can't go back to sleep? It's the million-dollar question. Yeah, that's my question. I was going to call you this morning at 3 a.m. and ask you, but I decided not to. You know, and anytime we say these things, anytime doctors get on shows like this and say this is what it is or they get in a class, you know, this is what it is for, you know, a certain percentage of people. It's, it's never 100%. Everybody. But, um, right. That, that just gets back to the blood sugar piece. Um, you know, you're fasting at night, and, you know, if you can't go two hours without eating during the day, what happens when you go two hours without eating during the night? I mean, yes, you're lying there. You're not as, as metabolically active, but your brain's working. And as your uh, your blood sugar starts to drop through the night, um, your adrenal glands should respond with a cortisol curve. And I'm sure you've seen that cortisol curve where it starts creeping up at 1 or 2 and peaks um, at 6 in the morning, 6-ish. So at 3 a.m., you should have a building amount of cortisol, and one of the effects of cortisol is, is raising blood sugar. So as if your blood sugar stays steady and everything works, then you can stay asleep. But what happens is that we don't um, – your body really likes to keep that blood sugar up, and if cortisol won't do it, then you can kick in some, you know, adrenaline, some norepinephrine or epinephrine, and that then – wakes you up. And a lot of people, times people even have that symptom of waking up kind of wired. And you can't go back to sleep because that's the hormone. Your body's like, sorry, you know, right. your blood sugar is too low. We got we got Your brain needs it. We need to keep you up. And since your adrenals are, are weak, then you can't do it. Now, so, can people... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say treatment-wise, um, you know, it's all the adrenal and... Um, and then blood sugar stabilizing things. Sometimes it takes a lot of both. Um, I have a blood sugar supplement that actually Dr. Krause formulated. It has has some vitamins and minerals, but it also has some glandular products, has spleen and liver and um, uh, those kind of like really nutrient-rich meats that you can imagine if you you get some of those in your body, it's going to stabilize your blood sugar in the opposite way that, you know, opposite of something like... um, white bread. And then you couple that with something that's going to help your adrenal glands and it can help. But really the it goes back to also well what why are your adrenal glands weak? Well, they're trying to deal with stress. So what stresses do you have in your body and we kind of go full circle to um, identifying where, you know, where the low-hanging fruit are in terms of mental emotional stress is it XYZ and can can we just right. talk real and quick about food and how that ahead. can set off that cascade? Like for people that haven't eaten stably throughout the day and Absolutely. then eat too much before they go to sleep, and that, that can also tip that scale, correct? Just even the day's food. Yeah, Is think of it like true? a roller coaster. You know, the more, the steeper you go up, the steeper you're going to go down, and the more of, of the up and down you have during the day, then um, the more up and down you're going to have at night, which is going to, completely mess with your sleep. So eating things that are um, what we call them in our kids' school, that strong foods um, versus weak foods, and, you know, not eating. If you're going to have a snack, don't have an apple. You have a, 
make sure, if you are going to have an apple, make sure there's some fat and protein with it. And really never eating anything that doesn't have fat and protein in it. Um, and some people get some success by eating something like a piece of turkey before bed. Um, but yeah, eating eating popcorn at night, you know, that's going to pop your blood sugar up and then you be more susceptible to a crash when you're asleep. Um, now, real real quick, Dr. Elliot, I know Chris Kresser talks a little bit. That's you know part of those these spectrum uh, thought processes. But uh, Dr. Kresser also, well, Chris Kresser actually talks about how eating a large amount of, or not large, I mean, perspectively, he's a he's a paleo proponent. But I mean, eating carbs at night for some people can help them sleep. So I mean, we have uh, clients out there, patients out there that that may be on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely, and the carbs, um, it just has so much to do with the way that your own individual hormones are set up and the way that your neurotransmitters are set up, too. I mean, what I'm talking about are specific people who are waking up because of, of low blood sugar and um, and who tend to have hypoglycemia throughout the day, like the people whose husbands are informing them <laughs> when. <laughs> there are other people who... Um, who might be waking up for entirely different reasons. And, and those people know that if they go on a paleo diet and they eat zero rice or zero grains, they feel terrible and they need a little bit of rice in order to, to survive throughout the day. Um, and, you know, so their biochemistry is, is different. That's, that's such a great that's such a great point. I'm glad you said that because Tiffany and I do try to emphasize on every show that everybody is different. And just because paleo is good for most people, a lot of people, doesn't mean it's right for you. So, you you know, you just have to listen to your own body. I agree. I agree. Hmm. That's a flower field moment right there. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, and some people are really extreme, you know, the AIP, and you can't do this and you can't do that, and, and it can be really bad for some people. So, so you got to listen to your body. For me, what, if your body what gets says, me is... Rice, then you have rice. Right. If it says beans, then you have beans. Rice and beans, you live in Costa Rica. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> you might have a, if you have any kind of histamine issue where your gut is trash, so you're not breaking down histamine or you produce too much histamine, then a lot of those foods on a paleo diet might really make you feel terrible. Right. You know, Dr. Elliot, that's a great point. For for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about a histamine reaction and what, what that actually is? What does it do? Uh, sure. Histamine is a um, it's a compound that your body produces as part of a ancient response to battle parasites, actually, and um, it creates a inflammatory reaction, like literally, kind of makes your blood vessels a little permeable, and um, so you might get flushing or hives, and um, it can also affect your brain. Um, and if you have a, too much of a histamine reaction to something like pollen, that's you know, the seasonal allergies. And histamine is also naturally produced in food, um, and it gets the histamine content gets higher in foods when they're uh, leftovers, when they're sat out for a while. So somebody who cooks one week of food on Sundays, by Friday that food's going to have a lot higher histamine level. Um, fish is really bad. Like people who have histamine problems can only eat fish that's been immediately frozen because it quickly builds up lots of histamine. And your hey, body... that's interesting. I did not know that. That's interesting. I just want to kind of sit. It's not necessarily a flower-filled moment because we're talking about fish, 
But I just want to sit with that because I didn't know that. Okay, okay. Now you can go on. I can go on. (laughs) uh, Another piece about the histamine metabolism is that your, one, it takes good methylation. So you've got to have the B vitamins can often help. And two, you have to have a good, um, a healthy small intestine lining. Your healthy small intestine lining produces an enzyme that breaks down histamine in your food. So if you don't have it, then um, you might not be producing too much histamine. You might just not be able to get rid of it very well. And actually, Dunwoody Labs has a lab test where they'll measure DAO, which is the enzyme that breaks down histamine, and histamine in your blood. And and you look at that. And I haven't run it very many times, but a couple times I did. And you can kind of tell, oh, is this person having a problem because they're not making enough of the enzyme or because they're producing too much histamine. And those are two different problems that require two different solutions. I love that about naturopaths. I, I'm The fact that there's just so much to explore that's just so much deeper than the surface. It can be overwhelming sometimes. I'm not going not to lie. Well, I think much of it is it's still in the, for in the process, <laughs> process of learning, right? I mean, enlightenment is a journey. That's that's what right. gets me. I think is so frustrating for me about absolutes. You know, this is an absolute truth. It always makes me want to scratch my head and go, really? Mm. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, there's just absolute. so much to know about so many more things. And nobody, once you say something's an absolute truth, then that means that a lot of other things are absolutely wrong. And I always, one of the phrases that stuck with me for a long time was from Ken Wilber, the philosopher and modern philosopher. He says that. Nobody is smart enough to be 100% wrong. Like there is yeah. truth, truth in everything, and once you, um, once you kind of accept that, then it, it allows you to get off your soapbox sometimes. Yeah, mm. Mm. I like that. I love that. Yeah, we just well, we sit with that so one for a second too. <laughs> What's that? I said I just want to sit with that one too for a second. I'm just gonna sit. Powerful moment. <laughs> Not that you're tired, Dana. You just that's it. No, 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 no. Couldn't be that. I mean, I was up at three. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, right. You're up at three. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this Dr. was so Elliot, fabulous you, to talk to you. Will you do us a favor um, and tell us a little bit about your Healing Hashimoto Summary Class? Tell everybody about yeah, this fabulous yeah. program and what it's about and what it means to you and what sure. it means for for your patients. Sure. I I um. You know, there's so much to talk about in these in these office visits, and it's um, you just can't do it. And then there are also lots of people who could use the information that won't ever sit in my office or won't ever sit in the office of a, a naturopath who's been functionally trained. So um, when I moved uh, from Oregon after 10 years of practice to Vermont last year, uh, I had extra time on my hands because I had to rebuild my practice. And I decided that I would create... Um, a class that would be kind of halfway between an office visit and a book. You know, you read a book and you um, say, hey, that sounds great, but I don't really know how to apply it. Um, and a uh, an office visit obviously has its own hurdles, you know, of expense and location. So um, I it made it multiple modules, and I said, okay, well, what are all the things that I think are really important in uh, treating Hashimoto's? And as we touched on in this 
last hour, there are an awful lot of them, you know, blood sugar and calming the immune system and toxicity and gastrointestinal health and methylation. And so I, I thought, well, I can cover all those, but then it just becomes overwhelming for anybody who's trying to figure out what to do. So as a sort of first step for the course, I, I borrowed um, a, a lot of the questions that I got from Dr. Karazian what, that he publishes and adapted them over the years in my own practice, and I created, with the help of a software developer, a symptom survey. Uh, and that symptom survey uh, is uh, for free on my website. It's drtraviselliot.com slash analysis. And you go through and you answer a bunch of questions, and then a pretty graph pops up that, that shows you kind of where you might be imbalanced in that, uh, which sections of your body are most imbalanced. And um, it's, it's pretty good, you know, tip of the hat to Karazian, and then I also tweaked it over, over years. But um, yeah, that, my, my purpose of doing that was to give people sort of a running start and say, okay, well, that's the part of the class that you really need to take um, seriously. And so for each section, you can do the whole Healing Hashimoto's class, and it gives you access to each of these sections. And each one is broken into parts, and there's a how it works section, where we talk about the basic physiology, because that's what I really love the science behind it. I love teaching, and I really like understanding things, and I want other people to understand them. So there's that part, and then how it breaks down. Um, and then there's a, hopefully I don't forget any of these, but there's a um, testing section, what tests might be appropriate. There's a treatment section, and there's also a kind of a clinical pearl section of, well, here are the common patterns that I've seen in my practice, and hey, if this pattern resonates with you, maybe you should pay attention to it. If this pattern doesn't resonate with you, then move on to something else until you get an aha moment. Um, and it's all um, easy, easy to watch. You can stop and pause and go back at any time. Um, I'm available for questions at any time. And um, I just really hope that it that it that it's helpful. Hmm. It sounds amazing, truly. Sorry, I, I had you on mute. Sorry, sorry. I felt like I was going to cough, you know, and I, you know, just have to <laughs> put you on mute for a second. I apologize. Sorry about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Dr. Travis Elliott, I mean, we we connected so long ago, and I love all everything that you say. I believe in what you what you preach and what you teach, and I just appreciate you spending time with us and and with me. You've been uh, very helpful along along my journey too, and uh, it was so great to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome, Dana, and um, it's an honor to be asked. And and please, uh, both you and Tiffany, don't hesitate to ask me if there's anything I can do to help. Um, and I think you did ask me at one point to help, and I didn't follow through, so feel free to ask me again. <laughs> oh, you were awesome. busy. You were busy, and I can't even imagine. So tell us really quick, I mean, how is Vermont compared to, to Oregon? I mean, it sounds lovely and dreamy to me. It is. It's awesome. I've always been attracted to the smaller community, smaller town, and um, as you may know, everybody in the world is moving to Portland, Oregon now. It's a very hip place to live, and <laughs> I grew up there, and it's gotten a little unwieldy, and um, uh, we just, you know, some various things came together that uh, pulled us to this part of the country, and it's sort of stunningly beautiful, and last summer we spent much more time than we ever had swimming in lakes, and going on hikes and um 
you know, I have the same same UPS and mailman at work and at home, and everybody bumps into each other all the time. And I'm sure I'll maybe I'll, I'll get sick of it in ten years, but right now I love it. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Tip, did you have one last question? Are you I trying did. to are you trying to keep him on? Uh oh, Tip has one last question. <laughs> this is uh, well amazing, and I know it's not a quick question, but if you can sum it up. Uh, it's just something I really want uh, the listeners to know that's a part of how you do things. So uh, the B-A-H for short, oh. I mean, that's that's oh, yeah. amazing to me. So I, it's obviously something I've never heard of before, and it sounds uh, phenomenal. So uh, well, I know that it's – I know it's not a quick question. Uh, so whatever you can give us, give us your two-cent version. I will. I'll give you the two-cent version. I, I have a patient in a few minutes, but it's really important to me right now. So, I mean, this topic is important to me. Um, really, over the last uh, 11 years, my desire, my drive and practice has been to figure out how to treat that person in front of me you know, solely in the context of their own um, symptoms, their own life, their own uh, disease, and not as a reflection of me. Like, I don't want to do it just because it's easy for me or because that's the way I learned, but how do I, um, how do I treat, you know, truly the individual, and not just the individual, but all aspects, you know, not just the physical, but a lot of the emotional pieces that you're talking about. And because and, a lot of emotional issues are not solved just by, um, you know, doing a stress management technique and walk, walking in the woods. You know, while those things help, there's a lot of subconscious inherited deeper belief systems that can be a problem. So how do you, how do you um, identify uh, whether those are an issue, because they're not in every person, or toxicity is an issue, because it's not in every person, um, or that they just need a higher dose of thyroid hormone. Um, and this uh, system, called the bioresonance analysis of health, kind of marries the functional medicine piece that I've fallen in love with over the last five or six years, with the energetic medicine piece, which um, I've always been in love with, um, because I know that there is this intelligence in the body. I know that there are ways of accessing it, um, and that complexity is so beautiful and so intense that, um, you know, a lab test from Cyrex or Dunwoody Labs or these others I've mentioned scratch the tiniest surface of it. So... Um, you can read about it more if, if that piques anybody's curiosity on the either my website by looking for the B the acronym B A H um, or the Innovative Medicine website, which is the the group that I got my training from in New York City, and um, oh, it's it allows me to do it's a amazing. Blood, yeah. Allows me to do a blood wow. test, come up with a uh, evaluation of okay, here are the stresses. Here's your kind of a toxicity level. Here are some infections that might be a problem, and uh, create a, a first step in, in a treatment plan. And it's out of the box. Wow. Um, yeah, I like to call it my my woo woo side, but um, <laughs> I love it. We like the woo woo side. But the more we, we learn like about it. science, the uh, you know the more science backs that kind of thing up with you know quantum physics and bioresonance and all that. So. Totally. I love that. I love that. Me too. We, we need to have you back on just to talk just for that. about that. 
yeah, oh, it's it's not a it's not a simple. I mean, it's really yeah. in depth. It's very cool. I've never, yeah, amazing. Oh, I'd love to. awesome. And that's it's growing. It's a growing passion of mine. And um, as I get more experienced at it, I'll have better case studies and stories to tell. So I look forward well, to that. Well, please please keep us posted on that because I I would absolutely love to hear uh, what you find. Oh, me too. You know, personally me in too. practice, that would be awesome. Sure. Uh, well, we will okay, let you go sir. now to your patient. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, tell them hello from Dana and Tiffany and Thyroid Nation, and we thank you so much. I appreciate it, and we'll chat. We'll chat okay. soon. Have a fabulous Work. day. Thanks Pleasure so talk. much for taking the time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye Bye-bye now. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Oh, you do. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, you know I always say it. <laughs> do you want to say it for me? No, I'll say it. I mean, that was my favorite. I mean, he was really, and, you know, I, we could have talked to him for a lot longer because, you know, because we just kind of touched on lots of little areas. But when when they talk mind-body connection, boy, Tiffany and I, we're just sucked right in because we believe in that, and I, I know that, that you do, Tiff. So I loved I it. I had to bring he, that up, I mean, because it's such a huge thing. Right? And, you know, when I uh, never heard of it before. So when I saw that and what it actually meant and what it actually does and how it's used as diagnostics, it's, oh, my gosh, Dana, cool. it's amazing. Right? It is totally amazing. So like um, Dr. Elliot said, you can check it out through through his site, which is Dr. Travis Elliot, just like it sounds, uh, E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot com. Um, or you can go to uh, InnovativeMedicine.com and, uh, and look up the Bioresonance Analysis of Health, which is B-A-H for short. Amazing. And if you're in his, if you're in his area, Vermont area, then, um, I mean, I would say the whole of Vermont, I would, I would uh, head his dire- direction right. because he sounds like a fantastic diagnostician and, and doctor and someone to have on your side, so... Wow. Right, and one thing he cool... does specifically, if you look under his services, is Lyme disease. Uh-huh. So we know that there's wow. a lot of people that suffer with Lyme disease. Um, right. Yeah, just, yeah, amazing, right? Cool. <sighs> As always, we want to thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, and if you have a thyroid thriver story, please send it in. It always helps other people uh, not feel so alone. And so we we will publish that along with your permission on Thyroid Nation to help more people feel better about themselves and understand what's going on. So send in your Thyroid Survivor story. And be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com, of course, made with a ton of love and light uh, from Dana and I. We know that you would love to be at a farmer's market with us and smell and test them, and so we're working on some samples uh, that may make it a little bit easier for long-distance people to, to try those. Uh, first, which will be very cool, but uh, yeah. lots of things that help with, uh, you know, cognition and memory, the brain awake inhaler, the missed me, we deal with just natural uh, complexion care, um, just avoiding BPAs and plastics and fragrance oils and synthetics and just a good natural um, line that helps with uh, people with thyroid symptoms. doesn't replace your medication. This is all about skin care and just sort of supportive care. But uh, please check them out, Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. That's right. Make sure to follow Thyroid Nation Facebook. We have a Hoshis and Facebook group. We list all the upcoming guests, and you can listen to their shows. So 
That's very cool. Check that out on Facebook. And get the amazing articles and so much information, so much information there. Well, as always, Dana, and I want to remind you that wellness is a journey. I love the fact that so many people repeat this. Don't you love that? Right? We Mm. hear it almost confluently through every guest that it's a very individual journey and it takes continual maintenance and evaluation and is smart and fabulous and wonderful as all of these people, all of these guests, all of these experts and mentors are. Your own diagnostician that's built in yourself is actually an enormous piece to your healing, you being able to, to connect that, that brain and body um, and to listen. Always be mindful of what's telling you. This is Dana, your thyroid nation, Gringatica from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Melendez of Grateful Garden. <laughs> Bringing the collective voice of thyroid survivors worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. <laughs>